Well, welcome to Emmanuel. I'm so excited to be speaking to you today on our, our new series called Life is Better Connected. This is week number two, and uh, really enjoying this series so far because I get to wear the same shirt three weeks in a row, so I don't have to stress out about what to wear to church. I know that's a thing for some of you. It's a thing for me, too, sometimes. It's like, oh, what should I wear? And I don't know. All right, enough about that. Uh, so, uh, so we're here, and if you're a first-time guest, you've been invited by a friend. We hope your experience thus far has been a good one. Uh, we like to have fun, but then we also like to get serious and, and challenge each other. And so, uh, yeah, we're in this series called Life is Better Connected. And last week, I kind of threw something heavy on you. If you were here last week or if you watched the podcast, we said that this idea that you are the greatest threat to yourself and to other people when you're living your life in isolation. It's kind of a heavy thought, and I kind of hit, that, hit, that, uh, hit you with that last week. And we said there's a couple of reasons why. When you're living in isolation, you do not receive the love and support that you need. You do not receive the wisdom that you need in your life to make good decisions. You don't receive the accountability that you need in your life to keep you from drifting away from God. And then also you don't receive the strength that you need. And so I kind of put that together, and apparently some of you were convinced last week, oh my gosh, you need to do that because almost 300 of you signed up for a small group which that is awesome. That's the type of results that we were praying for and hoping for. And so I want to continue to push down on this whole idea of why is life better connected? Why is life better living inside the context of intentional relationships with a community of other believers? And, and, and here's the second reason why. We need to be in a group because we all have a tendency to do this, to hear and not do. We all have a tendency to do that in our lives. Have you noticed this about yourself? You hear something from a coach or from a teacher or from someone wiser than you, further along on your, in the journey of life than you, or maybe it's from a book, an author, or a podcast. Any podcast listeners out there? I listen to a lot of podcasts myself, and I hear stuff some, sometimes. I'm like, oh, that's so good. I need to go do that. But then, you know, we go back to life, and what happens? <laughs> Life gets busy or you forget and then you don't do what you said or what you heard or what you thought that you should do. Has that ever happened in church? You hear something good? Every now and then we say something good from this platform. Do you agree? Every now and then? And you go, oh yeah, that's good. I should go do that. But then you don't do it, right? Look, look, which, that's a human thing. We all have a tendency to do this, to hear and not do. And that's why it's so important for all of us to be living inside the context of community. I remember a couple years ago, I saw, uh, heard somebody talk about the importance of flossing, and uh, they said, if you floss regularly, you can add up to seven years into your life, and I'm like, dude, like, I want to live. Anybody else want to live long? Like, I'm one of those people, I want to be one of those old grandpas with lots of candy in their pocket, and, and like cash, lots of cash, just like, ah, you know, come on, we're in a gramps, you know? Hopefully, I smell decent, you know, so the kids want to come and sit on my lap. I want to I live a long time. And so I'm like, okay, so I got to start flossing. And so I got all excited about it and, you know, I want to live long. And, and then, uh, you know, it lasted for, 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 for a couple of days. <laughs> I mean, it's a, you know, I, I found the floss in the drawer and I started doing it. It's like, this, this takes time, you know. And then I, I just did not follow through. You ever been there? You hear something, like you agree with it in your mind. You say, like, oh, there's science behind it or there's research behind it or whatever. And then, but you still fail to act. And now the government has just come out with some, some research here. <laughs> not, so, uh, not so good for the dental. I guess it is good for the dental people because then more people are going to need to go to the dentist if they don't floss. But the government said basically that it's unproven now that, that, that dental floss actually does what they said it was supposed to do. So, um, so you don't have to floss anymore. That's what, 
<laughs> no, that's not the point of all this study. But basically, it, this talk is not about flossing. But it's, it's about you hearing something and then failing to act on what you hear. And that's a problem. It's not necessarily a problem when it comes to flossing, but it's a problem when it comes to other important areas of your life, like, I don't know, your marriage or your future marriage or the way you parent your children or your health or your relationship with God. When we hear stuff that really could make a difference in our life, but we fail to act, there are devastating consequences. In your notes, I wrote it this way. When you fail to act, when I fail to act, the results can be devastating, and for two reasons. For two reasons. Number one, when we fail to act on what we hear we do not grow. We do not become the people that God intended for us to be. We don't grow personally. We don't grow spiritually. We don't grow, you know, in our, with our physical health. We don't get better in all these different areas of our life when we fail to take action. Let me ask you a question. Do you know someone in your life that, you know, decades have gone by, but they have not grown personally. They've not gotten better in their financial life. They've not gotten better in their relationships. They're still making the same mistakes they made when they were 16 years old. This person may live in your basement. <laughs> they may be in their 30s now. They may be pushing 40, and you're scratching your head saying, come on, bud, like, what's going on? Quit playing video games, you know what I'm saying? Like, but, but see, here, here's the point. Time does not change us. Time does not grow us, does it? What grows us personally is when we hear something and we actually go and we change some things, we do some things differently. But when we fail to take action, we don't grow personally. And then secondly, we also don't make the impact that God intended for us to make. See, your personal growth, be it in your ability to, I don't know, have better relationships, your personal growth impacts not just you, it's not for your benefit only, it's for the people in your life, it's for your spouse, it's for your children, it's for your coworkers, it's for your company, it's for your boss, it's for your neighbors. As you grow, as you get better in all the different areas of your life, you become a greater blessing to other people. In other words, God has other people in mind when he wants to grow you up. Have you noticed how this works? As I grow as a, as a person, I become a better father and my children are blessed. As I grow as a, as a, as a person, I, I become a better husband and my wife is blessed. The result is that other people are blessed because of my personal growth. There's more at stake here than you. Does that make sense? But when we fail to act, we don't grow personally and we fail to make the impact that God has planned for us to make. He wants, did, you know, did you know that he wants to bless people through your life? Did you know that? That may be a crazy idea, but it's true. God wants to bless other people through your life. But we got to take action to grow personally. Because we all have this tendency to, to, to hear and not do, God gave us some incredible instructions from the mouth of, of James, the brother of Jesus, and then from Jesus himself. We're going to look at some of what they said. Listen to this, James chapter 1. Don't just listen to God's word. Don't, don't just be a hearer. Don't just come and sit in a row and say, oh, that was a good talk, or, or I heard some good stuff today. Don't do that. Instead, you must, say it with me, do what it says. You must be a doer. If you don't do what it says, here's what will happen. Otherwise, you are fooling. You are deceiving yourselves. In what way? How are you fooling yourself if you just come here or, or just listen to a podcast or just read a book or just go to classes and, and, and fail to take action? What's the deception? The deception is that you, you think you actually did something valuable. You heard, you came to church and you heard something, and you think that you must have made progress simply because you heard something that you agreed with intellectually, but there's been no such progress. 
See, here's the mistake you're making. You're valuing something, watch this. You're giving something value that has no value at all. That's what James is saying. There is no value in all in you and I just simply listening to something that you agree with in your mind, but you fail to take action on. There's no value. Don't fool yourself. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that because you came to church today and you heard something good, that that actually means you made some sort of spiritual progress because you have not, unless, unless you take action on what you hear. He continues, watch this, listen to James. He's making a whole argument here. James says this. There you go. There you go. <laughs> he says, if you, if you listen to the word of God and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. Now, how many of you actually used a mirror this morning when you, when you were getting ready for church? Yeah, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're just lying in church. You just, <laughs> this just sinner, just a flat out sinner. Everybody used a mirror today, yeah? And what, what's the purpose of the mirror? You got the mirror out to do what? To make the necessary adjustments, <laughs> right? For some of you is hair, and others of you is nostril hair, and others of you is to shave this, or, you know, to curl this, or make up this, or draw the lines like some of you ladies do, and all kinds of stuff, right? Use that mirror to make adjustments, right? That's the, that's the whole purpose. You know, we, in other words, we don't wake up and use the mirror and then and go, oh, wow, and then walk away and come to church. We don't do that. In fact, if you did that today, there might be something wrong with you. You might be in middle school or younger. I don't know. <laughs> no, I love middle school students. I got two of them, uh, but uh, sometimes they don't use the mirror. So anyway, um, this, this, in other words, James said, this is crazy. People don't do that. He says, when you open up the Bible and you look into it and you see what's going on in your heart and you walk away and you don't take action and you don't make the adjustments, you're fooling yourselves. It's craziness. Listen to what James says. He continues his argument. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, the word of God that sets you free, we'll come back to that in a second, and if you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, watch what will happen, watch what will happen, then God will, say it with me, bless you for doing it. Now, what is the blessing? The blessing, if we can go back to the previous slide, the blessing is the freedom. It sets you free. Now, this concept of freedom, it's a little bit difficult to understand, so let me, let me take a crack at it. You might already be thinking, freedom, I'm already free, I'm an American, right? Everybody, yes? You glad you're an American? You're free? Yeah, absolutely. We enjoy freedom here. That's not the type of freedom that the Bible is promising here. What James is saying that there is a freedom from the bondage of sin. Let me explain what I mean. Have you ever been in a situation where you would love to stop doing something, but you cannot you ever been there? Maybe it's, I don't know, spending. You know you wish you could stop spending. You wish you could be one of those Dave Ramsey envelope people. You know what I'm saying? You know those folks, you know? But the word, you hear the word sale and you're, you just can't help it. You wish you could stop, but all of a sudden your hand's going in and you're spending. See, that's, that's a form of slavery. You ever been in a situation where, I don't know, let's say... Um, you wish you could stop losing your temper. You just wish, because every time you lose your temper, you say something that's painful and it hurts your marriage and it puts tension between you and your children and you know you shouldn't do that. 
but that when that one thing happens or that type of situation comes up, you lose your temper and you get angry and you wish you wouldn't and you try not to and you've made commitments to never lose your temper again. You've even told people in your life, I promise I'll never do that again. I'll never lose my temper again. But then you do anyway. Ever been there? See, that's called slavery. You wish you couldn't, but you do anyway. Or maybe it's gambling or something like that. You've made promises and you've said, I'll never do it again, but then they just get that urge and then you just go. Or maybe it's something like prescription pills or alcohol and you've tried and you pray and you wish that you didn't and you wish you could just stop opening those bottles and you wish you could stop taking those pills, but you can't because it's a form of slavery. Or maybe one a little bit more common to all of us. You wish... You wish, and maybe this is a female thing more than it is a, a male thing, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but you wish that you could stop worrying about the kids and about their grades and about like, the future and finances and you know, how do I look and what are people thinking and is this going to work out and what about this relationship? And worry. You wish that you could stop worrying, but then you try, and guess what happens? You can't stop worrying. Ever been there? That is a form of slavery. And what, that's actually the slavery that James is talking about. He's basically saying, you don't have to live that way. Oops, sat on my Bible. Here you go. <laughs> what he's saying is, as you, t- as you take the, the, the perfect law of, of freedom, of liberty, if, as you take it into your mind and into your heart, and you do what it says, you can be, you can be set free from, from fear and worry and anxiety. You can get, be set free from lust. You ever been in a situation, you wish you could stop clicking on those websites. You wish you could stop looking at, at pornography. You wish you could stop cheating on your spouse. And you want to, and you know if you keep doing it, it's going to destroy your marriage. But you can't. You don't have to live that way, James says. You, don't have to, you can be set free from lust materialism. You can be set free from getting defensive all the time and uh, not having the ability to receive criticism. It doesn't have to be that way. You can be set free if you look into the perfect law of liberty and see what you look like in your heart and make some adjustments and do what it says. God will bless you. God will bless you. Let me give you an example. A couple weeks ago, Matt gave a great talk on Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and uh, he talked about, uh, you know, prayer and and worry. Listen, this is worth repeating, Philippians chapter 4. He says, don't worry about anything, okay? Instead, pray about everything. See, there's the action. There's the doing part. Tell God about what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Now, watch what happens if you do that. Then, after you take action, watch this, you will experience God, say it with me, his peace. When do you get the peace? After you take the action. Does that make sense? You don't have to live in bondage to fear and worry. You don't have to live that way. You know, in fact, you can be set free if you take action and you start to pray about everything. Then God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Watch this. He continues. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. It'll protect your mind and heart from fear. God's peace will flood your life after you take action. Now, if you don't take action, right? If you just hear the word of God and go, oh, that's good. I should... I wish my sister were here. She worries a lot. I wish my son were here. He worries a lot. You know, that's what we tend to do when we're sitting in church, right? We think of the people who are not here instead of thinking of what's going on inside of our heart. You're shaking your head because you know that. I do that too, right? What about me? What about me? Oh, I need to do that. I need to get on my knees and pray. I need to cast all my anxieties upon him because he cares for me and his shoulders are broad and he can handle it. 
and then my life is set free from worry. Wow. Did Jesus have anything to say about this? Did he have anything to say about this, this idea that it's the application that brings freedom? Because that's what, that's what James is saying. It's the application, or it's in the application where freedom is experienced. It's not in the hearing. You're not going to be blessed today because you heard this talk. You're not. You're going to be blessed today if you go out and you do something about this talk. That's where the blessing comes. You with me? Yes or no? Yes? Let's look at what Jesus had to say about this. He said some. In fact, I think what James said came from what Jesus said. Watch, because they were brothers. See that? Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you're truly my disciples, my followers, my apprentices, my protégés, my, my, you know, my, my, my followers, if you remain faithful to my teachings. If you abide, the word there is to stay connected to my teachings. If you take my teachings into your heart and into your mind, into your soul, and you work with them day after day after day as a carpenter works with wood or as a musician works with their instrument day after day after day, and you stay with my teachings, something unbelievable is going to happen in your life. Watch this. And this is the part we all love to quote, but we forget verse 31. Then... After you work and stay faithful to my teachings, you'll know the what? The truth. And the truth will do something amazing in your life. It will set you altogether free. That's when you experience the freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from the bondage of sin. Freedom from all that plagues you. Lust, worry, covetousness, greed, pride. All of that nasty stuff that we're enslaved to. How do you get that freedom? You remain faithful to the teachings. You work with those teachings. You take the teachings of Christ found in the word of God and you hang with them and you mold them over and you take them into your heart. Jesus said one time, my words are spirit and they are life to you. Does that make sense? Another time Jesus said it this way. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and say it with me, does them, puts them into action, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and watch what happens. It beat against that house. You ever feel like you're, you're a punching bag? I ran to a lady the other day at Starbucks and I could tell something was going on in her heart and I just asked her what was going on and she said, I just feel like a punching bag. That's how life goes sometimes. Thankfully, not all the time, but sometimes life is just that way, right? You're just getting beat up by all the winds and the rain and all the stuff. But watch this. Watch something miraculous happen. The, but it did not fall because why? It had been founded on the rock. How do you found your life on the rock? Here's how you do it. You take the words of Christ and you start to do them. You start to look at what Jesus said about forgiving people, and then you go forgive people. And then what you find is that you have the bitterness and the, 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 the grudge is lifted. And you go, oh, my gosh. I'm free, I'm free from bitterness, I'm free from all of that anger inside of me that I was holding against this person. And what you come to find out is that what Jesus said is the best way to live. You come to know the truth. That word know means to understand reality, to have experiential knowledge of what's really the best way to live. You, you come to the teachings of Jesus about what he said about lust, and he says if your right eye you know, caused you to sin, pluck it out, or if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery, and you take those words into your heart, into your mind, and then all of a sudden you find yourself over time realizing that it is better to live without lust, and lust looks ridiculous, it looks stupid, it looks destructive and you start avoiding it and guess what intimacy grows in your marriage because you've eliminated lust you've eliminated anger you've eliminated greed and chasing material possessions why because you've worked over the teachings of Jesus and your life is founded on the rock does that make sense 
This is real life, guys. This is not pie in the sky. This is the life that Jesus came to offer. You come to find out that life is better without, without anger. Dallas Willard said one time, he said, anything you can do with, it, with anger, you can do better without it. That's profound. I'm going to say it again. Some of you need to write it down. <laughs> Dallas Willard said, anything you can do with anger, you can do better without it. So I started to look at how I do my kids, my, 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 my parenting. I noticed something. I can get results when I'm mad. Have you ever noticed that as a father, as a, as a mother? You start raising your voice, you get that look. <clears throat> you better. I can't believe it. You know, you just get that look and you scare the heck out of your kids. You're mad. You get stuff done that way. But here's in the end, in the end, I don't feel good. I've manipulated them. I've used my power to control them. They don't like me. I may have gotten the living room clean, but is is parenting about getting the living room clean? Come on. It's about raising Christ-like kids that can go out and make a difference in the world. It's not about the living room. Or about taking the dog for a walk. Or putting food in the dog's bowl. Or putting your stupid shoes away. You want me to keep going? Because some of you live there every single moment of the day. Right? Some of you just wait. You just wait. <laughs> You're like, I'm never having kids, honey. We are not having kids. <laughs> There's something to that, but it is a blessing in another way. For another, I'll talk about that some other. Here's what I noticed. Here's what I noticed. We'll go back to what Dallas Willard said. Anything you can do with anger, you could do better without anger. I started to notice this. Well, I could be a better father without anger. If I gently talk to my children about why this needs to happen and this needs to happen and I started to notice a difference in the way they were relating to me and the way I was relating to them and how I felt after a conversation was over. Turns out Jesus was right about reality, that, you could, that life is better without anger. Oh, life is better without lust. Life is better without bitterness. Life is better without chasing material possessions and think that that's where life is found. Turns out Jesus was the smartest person to ever live and he had knowledge of reality. And that knowledge of reality ends up setting us free if we should stay in those teachings. Are you hearing me? It's not about hearing the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, that's good. That's good. Keep preaching. Keep preaching. That's good. It's not about hearing. It's about taking the words of Jesus and doing them. Now, the opposite is also true. Jesus said, look, whoever hears these words of mine and doesn't do them is a fool. That built his house on the sand. And then the the rain came and the floods came and the winds blew and, and that house fell down. Do you know anybody whose house has fallen down? Come on. Do you have a brother whose house has fallen down? Do you have a brother-in-law? Do you have a sister, cousin? Do you have a, a parent? Do you have a child whose ha- their life is falling apart? We, you, every, the world is trying to figure out why. Why are people struggling so much? It's because they're not a disciple. Their life is not found, founded on the rock. They're not doing the teachings of Jesus. That's what puts a life back together. That's why what we have is what every person in this world needs to put their life back together. Does that make sense? Now, something that uh, I work with my kids on that I think is powerful, and and I want to challenge you parents to do this, and even if you have teenagers, you could still do this. Um, You know, they get get fearful. Kids get fearful. You know, they're fearful of math class, right? You know, they get fearful of social situations. Oh, boy. 
you know, they get fearful how they look, their body's changing, and it's all kind of weird stuff happening. What are people going to think about me? And any, anybody in the, going through the middle school, t- high school years? <laughs> you remember when you went through the middle school, high school years? So something I'll do with my kids, and I'll just work them over the, uh, Psalm 56.3. Watch this. We'll just, we'll just massage this together. Whenever I'm afraid, whenever it pops up, whenever fear comes up inside of me, I'll put my trust in you. Now, some of you are of the opinion that you cannot memorize scripture, and I think that is hogwash. Yes, you heard me right. I think that's an excuse. Let me prove it to you. Say this with me. When I'm afraid, come on, come on, come on. When I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you. One more time. When I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you. It's one verse. There's no more to this verse. It's just 56.3, okay? Now, close your eyes. Go ahead. I'll do it too. Say it with me. When I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you. You just memorized scripture. <laughs> That's unbelievable. You could, you could take that now, this truth, and you could like just take it into your soul and apply it and watch fear go away, and then you can also work it with your kids or your marriage, you know, people in your life. This is an incredible truth that will set you free. When I am fearful, here's what I need to do. Here's my action step. I will put my confidence and trust in you. I will look at the situation and I will declare that I have a God who has parted the Red Sea, that I have a God who put all the galaxies, the billions and billions of stars into the sky. I have a God who said, let there be light, and there was light. I have a God who turned water into wine. I have a God who healed lepers and healed blind people and raised people from the dead. I have a God who was crucified on a cross and three days later rose again and conquered sin and death. I have a God who could do the miraculous. No, do you not? So I have to think, I have to think, whatever situation I find myself in that's bringing fear into my life, and I start to worry, whoa, whoa, the Bible says, when I am afraid, I'll put my confidence and trust in you. Your shoulders are broad enough, you are big enough, your heart is filled with love, you love me, you have a plan for my life, you're going to take all things and work them together for my good because I love you, and all of a sudden, fear is gone. This is life. This isn't some spiritual goggly, goggly goo. You know, this isn't like, I'm not making this stuff up. Like, you leave here today and you do this and you will have freedom from fear. This is knowledge of reality. You understand what I'm talking about? This is life. Jesus knew how to live the best life. And he, he says, follow me. Be my disciple. And I'll lead you to that freedom. And you can taste and drink from that well. And you will find an abundant life the best quality of life that's available on earth that starts now and goes on into all eternity with me. That's powerful. Now, I haven't talked about small group at all. Have you noticed that? <laughs> For 20-something minutes, I've been talking. How does small group play into all this? Well, in your notes there, watch this. When you choose to live in community, when you choose to get in an intentional small group, you increase the likelihood of becoming a doer instead of just being a hearer and deceiving yourself. Because when you just hear and you fail to do, you don't grow and you don't make the impact that God intended for you to make. We all have a tendency, all of us, myself included, to hear and fail to act. But when I'm doing life together with a group of people, which I do, I meet every Friday with a group of guys, one of them sitting right down here, 
He texts me every morning with Bible verses. We're talking back and forth this morning over, over our texting. When you choose to go through life with people who are going to say, hey, keep your head up today. Look at this. Hey, here's what we said we were going to do. See you Friday. Hey, praying for you today. Hey, pray for me about this today. When you're going through life in community with people who love you and want to see you become like Christ, we were just singing about that earlier, to be like you, to be like him, right? They will help you to become a doer and not just a hearer. They'll say, hey, last week the talk was about this. Did you do it? And some of you are like, well, I don't want to get in a group because I have friends. I already got some friends. I don't need any more friends. Are those friends circling back with you and saying, dude, the way you spoke to your mom, man, that was so disrespectful. Do you know the Bible actually says not to do that? We just talked about that. Hey, dude, you're just kind of pulling this kind of junk over here on your girlfriend. That's not being faithful to her. What's up with that? Do you have, do you have a group of friends that will speak into your life in that way because they love you and care for you and want to see you become like Christ? If, you, if the answer is no, I'll say, join, join a group. It'll be messy. It'll be, it, it, won't, it won't work perfectly. But it is, it is our best attempt to help you grow, to become the person that God has created you to be so that you can have the impact that God created you to have in this world. Does that make sense? Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider, think about. Let us look at each other's life. That's what that word means, to consider. Let us, you could could literally translate it detect. Let us play the detective in each other's lives. Let us not ignore one another's quality of life. Let us consider how to stir up. This word means to provoke, to incite, to, 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 to motivate one another towards love and good works. Why? Why would I need someone to do that for me? Here's why. Because I have a tendency, and so do you, to be a hearer and not a doer. And I need some people to step in, and I invite them. See, who's going to volunteer to be in the pastor's life? Oh, I'd like to hold the pastor accountable. That'd be fun, you know. See, I, so a person like me, I've got to say, hey, would you please come into my life? And that's what I've done. Would you please come into my life? And I'm going to give you permission. I'm going to give you access to my marriage, to my parenting, to my walk with Jesus. If you see things that are inconsistent, if you see me saying things that don't match up with what I'm, how I'm living, would you speak into that? See, I need that. And so, and so do you. I need somebody to come alongside and stir me up to do what I preached to act on what I said, to act on what I heard. And, and the author continues to say this, watch this, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Some people evidently at that particular time in the history of Christianity said, ah, we don't need to get together anymore. The author says, don't do that. Don't do that. Get together and encourage one another all the way to the end. I want you to hear the story of a guy right now, his name is Mark, he started out in my small group, and now he's in another small group, and everything that we've been saying has helped to transform this guy's life. Check out Mark, this is the story. My, uh, my life has been uh, changed ever since, and I'm so thankful to God for, for Chad, for, for uh, Casey, for Jim, for Danny. Because I'd probably be dead right now. Well, I uh, I quit drinking about four years ago, 
and um, my mom and my sister came and uh, told me that I was uh, basically killing myself through alcohol and, and drugs and and um, I just knew that uh, that was that was it and I needed to do something else and because uh, I, I was just uh, basically sitting on the couch and I was completely unhappy and at the pretty much at the very I hit my rock bottom and um, God came in and uh, about a month later and uh, sent sent one of his warriors and invite me to Emmanuel and At first, I, I didn't think I was even gonna go, but I decided to, and uh, it I loved it. As soon as I heard uh, Danny speak, it it seemed like he was talking directly to me, and um, that kind of encouraged me to uh, try going to a small group, and uh, it was amazing. I just I liked every bit of it, and uh, I've been going ever since. Uh, the first time I went to a small group, I was, or went to the small group, I was, uh, I was a little nervous and I was a little uncomfortable because I didn't know anyone. Um, but everybody was really nice and they were real friendly and everybody introduced themselves to me and I just, yeah, I, I felt welcome and I really liked it. Uh, I figured out that I, I was in the right place uh, after about two weeks. Uh, I, w I started to learn about everybody in the group and and I learned how uh, I could relate to them, how you know we were all going through struggles and and um, it just uh, it, they they keep me accountable. So every week we come up with action steps to um, help us better our faith and uh, we have a, a text thread that we text every day and we also have accountability partners so that accountability partner calls me every day or most days during the week to help me uh, encourage me and uh, then I have to keep another person accountable so that uh, puts me into action and and that's one of my favorite parts about the group uh, yeah I mean if I didn't have small group I I definitely would probably be back drinking and partying and uh, I wouldn't have a relationship like I do now with God because I wouldn't I wouldn't have these guys to say hey you're doing this wrong or hey you're you need to do this you know and and they're just it's just great because they're there for me and I didn't have I didn't have that before I didn't have a group of people that are on the same path that all want to uh, grow in Christ and we're all on that same mission so I just I get different perspectives about different things in my life and if I don't understand something then you know most of the time there's one person in the group that can that can really help me out and I've just I found kind of a, a new purpose a new um, a new way of living uh, my focus, my focus is on God and on Jesus, and and uh, the guys in the small group have shown me how to do that.
Mark's now free from alcohol and drugs, and he's found uh, a different quality of life. And he found it in the context of a group of guys that are willing to invest in him and uh, hold him accountable. Casual relationships are not life-giving. What you and I are designed for is to connect with people in a deeper way. We don't become the people that we were designed to be, and we can't make the difference that we were called to make and designed to make by God without growing in the context of community. So if you're not in a group today, you've been putting it off, I'm busy, we've got this going on. Listen, I understand, everybody who's in a group understands. I want to challenge you to jump in, try it out. We're going to start a new series of groups September, the week of September 11th. You can sign up today in the back of the auditorium or actually uh, through the double doors there, and you can sign up for a group. I did my best today to try to convince you to do that. I'm going to do one more time next week. Uh, we're going to talk about this one more time. And so my challenge to you today is to do that. As we wrap this up, let me talk about something we, many of us often hear but fail to act on. And I'll wrap this up really quick. This is what Jesus said one time. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Let me pause there for a quick, for a quick second. I'd love your undivided attention. This is so important. Jesus is not talking about the mountains and the sky and the fish and the bears, although I'm sure he loves them in a way. He created them, right? What he's talking about here is people. For God so loved people, the world, you and me, that he did something. He loved us. Not love in the sense of a feeling, not love in the sense of an emotion, but love in the sense that he did what was best for you and I. He did what we needed most. And isn't that what love is, practically speaking? I know Hollywood would love for us to think that love is romance and sexual attraction and intimacy. And that is a form of love. But that's not what this love is. This is a love that says, I'm going to do what is best for you. And isn't that what most parenting is all about? <laughs> most of the times we say, most of the days we say no to our children. Have you noticed that you have to do that as a good, as a good father, as a good parent? No, because that's not what's best for you. Can I play more video games? No, because <laughs> that's not what, can I watch more YouTube? No. <laughs> can I do this? Can I go, can I sleep over so-and-so's house? Well, no, because parents, we're, we're like, we want to do what's best for our children. Why? Because we love them. That's what this love is. This is God saying, I love you so much, I'm going to do what's best for you. You know what's best for every single human being? That I send my son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. Because in Christ, not only do you have the forgiveness of sins because he died on the cross for you and he rose again, but in Christ you have life, spiritual life, abundant life, true joy, true peace as we walk with the Son of God through this life. That's what we needed most. That's what God did for us. Now, that's what you need to hear. That's, that's the part of, of hearing and taking that, that, inf that is information about knowledge of reality, what you just heard right there. That's what's going on in the world today. For God so loved you, he gave his son for you. Now, the action part. That whosoever, say it with me, believes. This is action. This is me taking in the information and putting my trust and confidence in the Messiah for the forgiveness of my sins and for eternal life and for an abundant life that whosoever believes in him should not perish, spend this life and the next life after death without God, but have eternal life. Some of you haven't taken that action yet. You have heard, you are here, but you're not yet a doer when it comes to this information. Perhaps that changes today. 
perhaps that changes in this very moment. And maybe you're watching through video, maybe you're watching on the podcast, maybe it happens right in your bedroom or wherever you're watching. You simply make the decision to act on the information you heard by placing your faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. If you feel a tug on your heart or something going on inside of your soul, guess who that is? That's God. That's God knocking on the door of your heart, saying, hey, I'm here. You want to come in? Can I come in? I want to have fellowship with you. I want to live with you. Will you let him in? Will you fellowship with God? Will you receive eternal life? If you feel led to do that right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer of faith. You can close your eyes and bow your head. You can keep your eyes open and keep your head up if you'd like. With what faith you have in your heart, reach out to him right now and say this to him. He's listening. Dear Jesus, I reach out to you today in faith. I put my confidence and trust in you. I believe you died on the cross for me to wash away all my sin. You rose again that that my sin and my guilt and my shame would be totally removed. You did it because you loved me. You did what was best for me, and I believe it. I believe it in my soul. I trust you for life. Put my life in your hands. Help me to live my life in obedience to your words so that I can enjoy the freedom that comes. Freedom from defensiveness, pride, lust, anger, fear. Bless my life, God, as I serve you, as I, as I walk with you, as I give my life to you. pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer on your way out, there's tables in the back here to my right, your left, my left to your right. There are people over there would love to put one of these Bibles in your hands. It's a one-year New Testament. Each day is broken down into about a five-minute reading. You can get through the entire New Testament in one year. I read these passages myself every single morning. The reason we want to do that, hey, before you go, before you pack up, I know it's time to go, but... The reason we do that is because Jesus said, if you remain faithful to my teachings, take them into your mind and heart. He said, in in your heart, he said one time, "My my words are spirit and they are life. As you remain faithful to my teachings, as you work them over in your life, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's why we want you in the word of God every single day being faithful to the teachings of Jesus. Make sense? Is this exciting or what? Yeah? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you that that we have an opportunity to gather in your name, to talk about the words that you've revealed to us through Scripture, your inspired word. Thank you for the change in Mark's life. Even as we hear his story, God, we're so thrilled that you have set him free, that he's becoming the man that you have created him to be through community in his small group. Father, I pray that you would move people today who are not in a small group to go into the auditorium or go into the foyer and sign up for a small group and begin living in community with others. God, those who prayed to receive you today as as their Savior, I pray you'd give them the courage to go grab a Bible and and begin reading. We love you. It's It's because of you that we gather, and it's in your name we gather, and for your glory that we gather. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, it is a joy to be your pastor. I'm excited to see you next week. Bring a friend. God bless you. See you next week.